This is Wonder, the travel podcast, where you can listen to conversations about experiences, adventures, and all things travel. My name is Christine Mitchie, and welcome to Wonder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wonder. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we are wondering about a really exciting place, and that is Hunter Valley. This is one of our most exciting episodes yet because we have a really special guest on today and we're really excited to talk with our guest about the Hunter Valley in a recent trip that we did up there earlier this year. So our special guest today, I'll give him a brief introduction. Our special guest today is my boyfriend, Hugh. He is joining us on this podcast today and I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. Well, thanks very much for having me. It's nice to be here. Um, yes, as Christine mentioned, I am indeed her boyfriend. We have been together for over a year and a half now. And in terms of an introduction, I uh, am similar in uh, the way that I absolutely love travel. A bit of background on me is that I grew up as part of a military family, and that resulted in me moving across the world. I was born in Germany, uh, moved across most of Europe, spent some time in the Middle East, and very similarly moved over to Australia for an opportunity with work. And I haven't really looked back. And obviously meeting Christine has been one of the highlights. But uh, it's nice to be here and definitely with the trip that we're talking about today. I'm really excited because it was an absolute highlight of late last year. And by late last year, you mean early this year? <laughs> yeah, it definitely was, was a highlight. And really excited to have you here. Thanks for joining us. And before we get started, just going to throw a little bit of a spanner in the works with a surprise question. So out of all of the countries that you visited, which one has been your favorite? That's quite a tough question. Um, I would probably say that it was Saudi Arabia was my favorite. We found ourselves in a wild circumstance when we were living in the UK, where all of a sudden we were told by our father that we were moving away to Saudi and we proceeded to spend two and a half years there. But I don't know how many listeners have been to the Middle East in general or Saudi Arabia. It's quite hard to get in, but it's an incredible place and probably one of the most interesting cultures and societies that I've ever been in. It actually dictated what I studied at university because I found it so interesting. I specialized in Islam. But yeah, it was a really intriguing and brand new experience for me. And that is absolutely a top one should anyone ever have the opportunity to go. Awesome. Well, I think we have some upcoming episode ideas talking a little bit about your trip to Saudi. If you'll, you'll join us again for round two. But let's go ahead and dive into our trip to the Hunter Valley. And so giving a little bit of a preamble, today we're going to talk about the Hunter Valley, our trip that we took to the Hunter Valley, some of the things that we did and enjoyed and what we would recommend to do next time. With that, we will go ahead and kick things off by talking a little bit about just what the preparation looked like for this trip. So Hugh, do you want to talk on what the preparation looked like for this trip up to the Hunter Valley? Well, I can definitely talk about it, but I have to admit to everyone that I had zero involvement in the organization of this trip. As a bit of context, it was a lovely surprise birthday trip, uh, which was fantastic. I'd never had the opportunity to go to Hunter Valley. 
I had spoken about it with so many people going up there, but either the schedules didn't match or we ended up going somewhere else. So it was a very smart decision uh, from Christine to decide for a three-day trip to for us to head up there and see what we found out, really. Yeah, awesome. I think that for some of the preparation, I can talk a little bit about this. So this trip, as Hugh noted, was a birthday trip. And it really started when I was with one of my one of my girlfriends. We were actually on a trip up in Byron Bay. And we were talking a little bit about what we could potentially do for Hugh's birthday that would be special. And I opened up Airbnb. And the first Airbnb on the page was one that Hugh had actually pointed out before. And he had mentioned that he really liked it. It was this yurt-looking tent that was that was categorized as an eco retreat. And we looked at it. And sometimes when these pop up for Airbnbs, especially in Australia, they could be in the middle of nowhere and they could be really far. And so my kind of first thought was like initially, like surely there's not going to be any that are remotely close to Sydney. But when I clicked on this one, it was really cool because it's right outside of the Hunter Valley, which gives it really nice proximity to all the wineries, everything the Hunter Valley has to offer that we'll talk about today, but also is secluded enough so that you're not in the thick of it. You can get a little bit of a break and you feel like you're really far removed from Sydney and, and any other city really, which was really nice. And so the booking for this place was maybe about three months in advance, I think. And not too long after that, we also booked a rental car through Turo, which if you haven't heard of Turo, that Turo is a really great app that you can use to book rental cars. And it's similar to an Airbnb for rental cars and that people just put up their car. You can rent it for the weekend, really easy, um, direct from whoever is renting it to you. And then you just return it. It's pretty simple. So I booked the rental car and then I booked the Airbnb and I actually didn't tell Hugh where we were going until the day before, which was really fun. I've actually never planned a surprise trip for anyone before. And so this was so hard to keep inside. I kept wanting to let it slip. And I actually did think that Hugh knew at one point. Um, it almost came out because one of our friends was also telling us the weekend before, who shares a very close birthday with Hugh, that she was going up to the Hunter Valley for a wedding. And at one point, I almost chimed up like, oh my gosh, so are we. Uh, but I was able to keep it in. I was like, oh my gosh, I just was you know, seemingly overjoyed at the fact that she was going to Hunter Valley for a wedding. Uh, but then the fun thing was, is that we actually ended up meeting with her when we were up there, which was really nice. You did pretty well. I don't know how many people have organized surprise trips. They're really tricky in terms of once you've got everything organized, you feel a little too proud of yourself to then have to really focus on keeping it quiet. So up until the evening before, I had no idea what we were doing or to be honest, whether we were even going on a trip. We could have been driving to a restaurant 20 minutes away for all I knew. So it was a really nice time in the way that you get in and you just go wherever the other person is taking you. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, at the time we had been dating for, you know, around 10 months and, and it was, it was one of those moments when you're thinking, you know, do I know this person well enough to know how to plan a surprise trip for them? Because it's really a shot in the dark. You know, you never know. You could have turned around and been like, oh, I really wanted to spend my birthday with my friends or I wanted to do something different or, or whatever. So it was, it was a, it was a long shot, but the good news is it had turned out. And I felt a little bit more confident knowing that you had already pointed out that Airbnb to me. If you hadn't, I think I maybe would have been a little bit more 
uh, you know, unsure of how it was going to go. But the good news is what we do know about you, you've told us today, I of course know this about you is you love traveling and experiencing new places and new things. Something that of course we do together quite often. So, you know, I was pretty sure that you would enjoy a weekend away to a really cool spot. That leads us to where we stayed and I talked a little bit about it being a an eco-retreat yurt outside of Hunt the Hunter Valley, but tell us a little bit more about what you thought of the place you stayed in. So yeah, definitely. Obviously, I found the place, but a very long time ago, so there wasn't much memory there. But I don't know how many people know what the Hunter Valley looks like from a geographical perspective. It is the most stunning valley in general, and it, is, it covers a lot of land, but it's also... A really good spot for any kind of holiday that you might be looking at. Obviously, people associate it with the amazing wineries, but Hunter Valley itself is a truly beautiful spot in New South Wales. New South Wales has so many different pockets, and this is one of the more commercial areas in terms of from a tourist perspective. But the Echo Retreat was probably about 20 minutes outside of Pocolbin which is a very popular town in the Hunter Valley. And we it was pretty secluded. We ended up going across a bridge that was built back in the 1920s, which was probably one of the coolest old bridges I've seen without sounding like too much of a nerd. But we arrived then at this farm down a really long track. And echo retreats are amazing because normally whoever has built it has thought really carefully about what kind of shelter they want to build on their land at the end of the day you're going to have people there who you don't know so there needs to be an, a level of privacy for both parties but also the retreat itself was so well thought out so it was three or four different little huts which all were spread out down the area our one was actually next to a beautiful little pond which covered in wildlife and we had some ducks that will probably be making a feature in this podcast later because they're one of christine's favorite parts but the yurt itself was amazing it was entirely um environmental in the way that it had solar panels and every all the energy was taken from the small areas around including the water and that i found that really interesting it's it's a very different way of staying but it's one that probably is going to become increasingly common as people think more carefully about the types of Airbnbs and locations that they're making available to the public. Yeah, great explanation. And I also think to the wildlife and the the farm life that they had was just so much fun. It added such a fun dynamic. They had the this little Shetland pony that was so sweet and really friendly. We spent a lot of time at sunset when we were cooking dinner, taking turns and going to say hi to the pony. Then we were able to feed some pigs and some goats. The goats uh, and the sheep were so cute. They just kind of came running up when we came to the fence and were really friendly. And then, of course, the ducks. The ducks were, these were not normal ducks. These were really, really friendly ducks. And <laughs> that they were so sweet. At first, there was a pot of three of them. One 
had a bit of a lame foot, so wasn't able to go as far as the other two, but that's okay because they mostly hung out right next to the tent and they would kind of follow us around and they they would stray a little bit out into the pond and they would come back and at night they would actually sleep right outside of our little yurt so you could hear them and you kind of look out through the mesh and you would see them out there sleeping, which was really sweet. So it added this really really personal touch to it that we felt very connected with these ducks while we were there. And they were so sweet too. They would follow us when we were making dinner and whatnot. And and so that was a really big highlight. But the farm animals themselves, it's, it's funny actually, we've stayed at a number of places this summer that had farm animals, which has been really fun. A lot of horses, a lot of sheep. Um, and then, you know, we've had a lot of pigs as well, actually. We've had some really big pigs. And and so that was really fun. It, it really made it a really good time. And they were interactive with us as well in terms of the host. They let us feed them and they were really fine for us to really walk around on their land and whatnot. So it made it really special. This place was called the Billabong Eco Retreat on an Airbnb. And and it's just really quite unique as well. I think one of the things that Phil told us about that makes it an eco retreat, it has solar panels. It's all pretty self-sustaining for solar panels for the energy. Then it also has like a composting toilet and whatnot. So it really runs itself, which was really cool, but it was really in homey inside. It had everything you needed as well in terms of a refrigerator. We had an outdoor kitchenette that allowed us to cook dinner on the stove, you know, wash our hands, sinks and whatnot. It had a shower as well that, that was really great. And it was really clean and, and quite wonderful. We really enjoyed the, the eco retreat side of it. Yeah, definitely shout out to Phil. Not that he may ever see this podcast, but it's an amazing location. And you mean he'll 100% see this podcast. And by see, we mean here. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but, um, the, the main thing to take from this is obviously with Hunter Valley, you have a plethora of different hotels and locations that you're able to stay at. But we would definitely recommend having a look outside of the conventional box. There's, it's especially when you have somewhere that's still within proximity of all the locations you want to go to. I definitely reckon finding somewhere a little bit more different, a little bit more special is absolutely worth it. And from a price point, it was no different as well. Or I don't know that off by heart because it was a lovely surprise. But the main part is definitely have a real think before you go and give yourself the time to look at different locations. Because whether you be on a couple's trip, on a group trip for the wineries or with the family, it's a really good opportunity to do something very different from the norm. Yeah, don't don't worry. I can confirm from a price point, it was really in line with what you would pay at other Airbnbs, if not a little bit cheaper, honestly. And I think that really to hammer on the point of there's a lot of great places to stay in around the area, but to really make the weekend ultra memorable, some of these stays are just incredible and they they really provide this experience that you're just not going to get elsewhere. And so the stay at this trip actually was such a huge highlight for us. And, and we really, really love staying there. Would definitely recommend it to anyone else. But to transition to our next point, talking a little bit about what just before we dive into the specifics of the trip, what are, you know, what was your overall highlight of this trip? What stood out to you the most? Without sounding like one of the many, the wineries in particular are such a highlight of Hunter Valley. The proximity of all of them, the 
availability in terms of how many different wines you can access and also from an educational perspective how much you learn even within two days of being up there so i would 100 percent say the wineries were in the top three but the other two were actually the eco retreat we were at it just gave us the flexibility to be able to cook from home not head out for dinner every night and really enjoy such a stunning spot that we were in and then also just the landscape it's such an eclectic range of hills within this valley in terms of wildlife the most amazing kookaburras and all sorts of different kangaroos and koalas but you'd be lucky to see a koala there unfortunately we didn't but we know that they are pretty common there too and yeah the it's such a beautiful location to visit and in terms of when to visit as well i'll let you finish that point but we timed it pretty well it being in january yeah, really great highlights. The timing for when to visit, I think it's interesting. I So this is the third time I've been to the Hunter Valley and I've done friends trips and then of course this couple trip and they all have been at different times of the year. So one was in the later half of summer. This one was of course midsummer, and then one was actually in the winter. And I think that this was the only trip out of the three that actually had really nice weather. In Nice, I will say, was really hot. It's also very dry up there. So we were really pushing 30, 32 degrees Celsius, um, you know, the whole time we were up there. But it was fine. It was really lovely to be up in the the dry heat, which which I really enjoyed as Sydney can get a little bit humid. But the other two trips were, it was quite a bit of rain. And so I think in terms of timing, you know, you can get a lot of rain in the summer and you can get a lot of rain in the winter. So it's quite difficult. But I would say, you know, right now it's been really dry. It would be lovely to do a trip up there right now. It's dry. It's cool. It's winter. There's not really much else going on that you're going to be doing. So I think winter would be a great time. That being said, loved going up there in the summer as well. And for my highlight, I think the two that stand out, one, I loved the wineries as well. Of course, that's such a big draw to why why we went there and, and why most people go there. But I think that one thing that I had learned recently is that the wineries don't actually export their wine a lot of the times, even down to Sydney. So you won't really find it in the, the wine shops or the bottle shops here. If you do on the offhand find it, that's great. But it's just not a standard. A lot of them are only the size to where they can make enough wine for the, the people and customers that they're getting. So it's unique wines, it's stuff that you're not going to get in the shops, of course, and you're able to interact with them and learn about the wine, which makes it really special. And we had some really great wines um, that was really fun. And we were able to drive home and and bring home some wines. Whereas, you know, if you go on some wine tastings abroad, it's really difficult to to bring home that many bottles of wine. And then my second favorite part was cooking dinner out, you know, watching the sunset really slowly and having all of the little farm animals around was just really lovely. And then we were just able to eat outside on our little, uh, you know, deck and chairs looking over the pond and just really serene. And it was a really nice and relaxing uh, time up there. Now that we've talked about some of the highlights, let's transition to really talking about the places that we that we ate. And this kind of takes us a little bit into our schedule for the weekend as well. But the first place, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll rewind. So we left for this trip on Friday morning. We both had taken off Friday from work and we drove up to the Hunter Valley and we made it there somewhere around noon. The first place that we stopped was 
Two Fat Blokes, which is a, a winery and, you know, they have a, a, a little bit of a restaurant as well. So Hugh, what did you think of, of Two Fat Blokes? Tell us about what that was like. Well, obviously the main part of Hunter Valley is you've got over 150 wineries there. So it was pretty impressive for you to be able to pick out a few special ones and definitely all in all, they were all brilliant. But Two Flat Blokes for me was interesting for one as to when you turn up and it's not actually Two Flat Blokes running the whole place, but it is actually a wonderful family atmosphere in terms of how they treated their guests. I found the wines there, I would say if you're looking for a wine-based winery, that's not as good as many of the others. But what we did enjoy the most was the food itself. We went up there and immediately tucked into an enormous charcuterie board. And what they did really well was just give you a really vast range of different things to try. And we're quite keen on you know, really encouraging you to have as many things from the menu as you can. And it's all quite a share style. So I definitely recommend Two Fat Blokes for food. But yeah, fortunately, as we're about to discuss, there's a few places close by that might carry you better, depending on what you're looking for. Yeah, I don't think that the wines, I don't remember them being a standout, but I do think the charcuterie board is amazing. They had some small eats internally, and then they had a food truck that was also making food as well. So you were able to get what you, you were looking for, but they had a really nice outdoor patio. I think it's a great place to start if you're coming into it, you know, you want to get snacks in and then go on from there. But as you noted, there's so many wineries having been you know, back a couple of times. I don't actually think I've ever gone back to the same wineries. And and that's one of the great parts, but also can make it really difficult when you're picking what wineries to go to. Unfortunately, today, we're not going to review all, you know, 150 wineries. We're just going to be talking about a couple, but these are really good places to start if you if you haven't been to Lantra Valley or even if you have. After Two Fat Blokes, we went the really long distance of traveling across the road to then get a little bit of a different spread at Ironbark Hill Brew House. And what was what was Ironbark? What do they have to offer? Well, for a start, it's one of the smaller array and collection of brew houses rather than direct wineries. So for me, being quite a fan of beer, this was a really nice transition uh, to lead into. And the brew house itself, I would 100% recommend to anyone going. They have uh, a lot of pizza choices available from a food perspective. They've got a vast range if you're just looking for a sort of hotel-esque feed, but with a bit more quality and with a lot more pizzazz, let's say. But the brews and the beers themselves, it was a really cool place. It's a huge brewery round behind the bar itself. So you can see the extent of to which beers they're creating and how they're doing it. And that is always a bit of a interesting point for me. I love seeing that and being in a brew house itself. I mean, as a non-beer drinker, how did you find the whole thing? Yeah, I should point out it's not non-beer drinking by choice. Sadly, I can't have gluten. And so I, I remember the days fondly when I could drink beer, but I did really enjoy it. I had a cider. It was really lovely. And it had a bit of a, it was just, it had a quite of a big open area, which is really cool. I could definitely see, I think they had some music that would be playing in the evenings. I think that you can even have weddings 
there as well. I saw a lot of different things going on. And so great place to stop for lunch. Pizza looked great. Um, so really great brew house, great beers. And there's a number of breweries and distilleries throughout the Hunter as well. And on my last trip with a group of girlfriends, we we also went to one of the distilleries and had a gin tasting. And it was also a huge highlight. And so if you're not really that into wine, you can still have a really good time in the Hunter Valley as there's enough to keep you entertained for a couple of days and especially for a long weekend. But after we hit these two spots, we were pretty tired. We ended up packing up. I think that we had grabbed a bottle of wine from from two fat blokes and headed up to our eco retreat in the evening and made some dinner. That was really lovely. I hung out with our favorite duck friends and then uh, you know played some games and then we called it a night and. The next morning, we were able to meet one of our friends, so which was a huge highlight. This was the friend that I almost spilled the beans to in front of Hugh, who was up for the weekend. And we met her at this place called The Wood. Interesting to get your, your thoughts on The Wood, Hugh. What did you think of this place that we stopped for, quote unquote, brunch? Well, I'm definitely not a food critic, but this place was a really popular tourist attraction because it is, if not in, just outside of Pakolbin itself. And there's two things with that. Obviously, it's really well located and it does have a winery attached, which we'll get to. But I thought it was a little bit of a tourist trap. And people may correct me if I'm wrong. I thought it was pretty overrated and overpriced for what it was. And it was fortunate there that we were meeting our friend Soph and a, a couple of other people there, but definitely would give it a miss if you had other options to go to. I don't think that it lives up to the hype in terms of what Google reviews might say, but it is a good place to at least have as a location because it's pretty central in terms of where you may be heading for the rest of the day. I know that you weren't a huge fan of the food on offer either, were you? Yeah, I think, I don't know if anyone else is out there is similar to this, but when I think brunch, I didn't think largely seafood really kind of more extravagant plates. And that's that's really what this had to offer. We ended up having a fine meal there. You know, it, it was all right. We were able to find things that we enjoyed, but it's not something that I think you, you definitely wouldn't go there for brunch, but I do agree with you. I think it could be categorized. It's a bit of a tourist drive. It's really overpriced, trying to be really fancy, but yeah, I'm just not quite sure. It missed the mark for me as well. But we did have a great glass of wine there with Soph, which was really nice. And so we were able to catch up. And the funny part of this is the wood is the restaurant side of Broken Wood Winery. And so we, again, traveled a really long distance across the way to the winery, which was actually amazing. The wine at Brokenwood was really great. It's a huge highlight. I've actually seen on other people who have gone and posted about it. They posted about how much they enjoyed Brokenwood as well. And we had a really great time here. The tasting was really hefty. The server was really friendly. And Soph and I both left with a love for their rosé or their rosado, as they call it. It's one of their their wines that they're most known for. And it was one of the better middles range, middle between sweet and, and dry and flavorful, but not overpowering rosés. And I actually still have a bottle here, which is great. Soph just broke into hers a couple of weeks ago and told me that she had uh, enjoyed it with a couple of friends. So it was really great. I think this winery I would really recommend stopping at if you are in the Hunter and it is really central. What did you think of, of Brokenwood? 
I thought it was brilliant. Definitely the wines on offer, because it's such a popular place, they really do have to cater for a number of different tastes and opinions. And I feel they did that really well. I think the favorite part outside of the wine was if you are a bit of a history junkie, I do like finding out a little bit more about each locations. They actually had a really cool room. I think they called it the 70s room, didn't they? And it was where Brokenwood originated itself in terms of when it became open to the public. And it was a fantastic room. It did take you back to the 70s. It was a bit of a hippie style, lots of expansive color palettes and all sorts of different things and artifacts, really, if you want to call them, of what and who um, had been there before. And I thought that was really cool. It just gave you a better idea of what kind of people had been coming and how the winery itself came about. Yeah, this one was really fun. I think the history was great. We took a little trip down the 70s lane and wandering through the 70s room. And then the outside patio was awesome. They had a mister, which was great because it was, again, it was pretty hot. And so it was yeah, 30 in the kind of er, the low 30s. That was really helpful when we were having our wine. We spent a good amount of time here. Really enjoyed this tasting and would definitely recommend. They also, I remember they had quite a number of different choices for tasting flights, which I actually really liked. And that you could pick, you know, one tasting flight with some of, you know, whether it's whites or reds or a mix of both, which you don't see that at every tasting. A lot of times it's just inherently going to be a mix of reds and whites. So I really like that. I thought that that was really unique. And again, catering to a lot of different types of palettes. After Brokenwood, then we went down the road and we found this winery or actually I should say I, I found this winery and the winery is an organic winery. So Hugh... What were your initial thoughts on this organic winery? Well, as you might be able to imagine, when your girlfriend tells you that we're going to, out of all the wineries, visit an organic one, you don't necessarily, you'll give it a smile, but you don't necessarily look forward to it quite as much as you might with some of the more popular ones. But I was well and truly proved wrong. I think out of any winery we're going to be discussing, you absolutely have to visit this one. And the name of it is Tambourine. And the location, as Christine said, is really close to a lot of the other primary locations in the area. But it was a beautiful estate. And the wines themselves, I'll let you expand on this a little bit more because I think the server was a bit of, a bigger fan than you than he was of me because I had lots of annoying questions for him. But he um, presented us with a huge different range of wines. And I think it's a little bit of a hidden gem as well. In comparison to the other wineries, it was a lot quieter, but that worked in our favor so much. Uh, that meant that we were able to really get to know how they create these wines. And he gave us a lot, didn't he? Yeah, this was this was such a highlight. I, this is my favorite winery of the trip, and this is my favorite spot of the trip as well. I think that well, we I think we must have come in right after a tour group or something like that. And for some context, there's a lot of different bus wine tours coming in and out of different wineries. And so I think one of maybe had just left, but when we came in, there's only one other couple in there. And when we sat down, the Wineologist, um, wine server. Uh, he came over, introduced himself, and started surveying us up the 
the tasting menu and it was incredible. He explained a lot, which was amazing. And the wines tasted really great. He was so friendly, in fact, that he started giving us tastings off of the reserve, which was, you know, you know, you always feel quite special when they do that, but you also get to taste some really great wines, which which was really fun. And so yeah, this one was amazing. I think one of the biggest highlights from the tasting selection at Tamberlane is I am not a big fan of Prosecco. I don't love it. And I know that a lot of people, they really rally behind Prosecco. Some of my friends, in fact, are Prosecco drinkers on the regular whenever we go out for a drink. But I've never loved it. And the the wine, what do you call them? Winologists? Wine? I don't think they're not sommeliers, are they? Yeah, not sommeliers, but the wine people. He was telling us a little bit about this Prosecco and I told him, I don't really love Prosecco, so it's maybe going to skip this one. He's like, I'll just try it. A lot of people really like this Prosecco. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Had this Prosecco and lo and behold, I left with a bottle in my hand. It was so good and really delicious. Always a great reminder to try things even if you think that you don't like them because they can taste a little bit different. But it was amazing. And I had a really great time with this this wine person that was working with us. And, and you and I had great chats with him. By the time that we left, it was very busy. So I think that we really struck it while it was hot. But the property in general also was amazing. They had this whole venue attached and uh, they had just a really gorgeous garden area that you can go walk around in. And I think you can even sit outside as well if it's not as smeltering as it was that day, which might be another plug for traveling in either like spring or fall or even winter. After Tamberlane, we then headed back to the eco retreat and similarly ended up cooking dinner there, had a really great night and it was a really great end to the day. We had bought some wines from Tamberlane and Brokenwood that we also brought back and and broke into one of those. The next day, we were heading out to um, come back to Sydney. So it went by pretty quickly. But you know, in talking about this trip, what did you learn on this trip? Well, the first thing I would say is if you are traveling and the method of transport is a car, make sure the person who is the designated driver is the main organizer as well i feel that obviously when you're traveling to wineries you can find yourself in a situation where if you're having to get around you either find ones close by that you can either walk or cycle to there's actually loads of different ways and it is worth mentioning the bus options there are really good if you're part of a group it's ridiculously easy i was surprised to find out how many tours there are that will come to your location pick you up and take you around for the entire day but the main things i'd take from this trip is it's incredibly achievable over a weekend a lot of people will look to spend long weekends up there and you can definitely spend longer because there's so much to do outside of just wineries as well we'll get to that in a second but you really have the opportunity here to get away from Sydney, from wherever you might be locally, especially if it's only within a couple of hours drive and really leave the Hunter Valley knowing you've made the most of it. It's very easy to get around. The people are so friendly. The wineries are beautiful. The land is beautiful. And I thought it was my favorite trip this year, for sure. This year or last year? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's a good setup for things that there are to do outside of the the winery. So I think as you touched on, 
definitely get a wine van. I have taken, I have gone on a wine trip with some girlfriends before. We've rented a private van. Um, they're pretty easy to rent. I will say one cautionary tale though, it's not easy to book these vans if you're with a big group. It takes a lot of work. And this is definitely one tip I would have. Know that because a lot of them, they are do these private van tours. So let's say the bus has eight seats or 12 seats and you know you have a group of 11 friends, whatever it might be, you pay a flat rate turns into usually somewhere around a hundred bucks a head, or at least that what it was, you know, a year and a half ago. And they, you know, will take you to different wineries, but they usually have a couple wineries that they work with. And then, you know, they, they let you choose, but you can kind of choose from a list, whatever it might be. They're all different. But I just remember when I set this up for a couple of friends and myself, like a year and a half ago, it was actually really time consuming. There's a lot of calls back and forth. I sent through some ideas, the activity provider sent back some other ideas and whatnot. So I think just prepare when you are planning that one book in advance, especially for big weekends, book far in advance. I think for the one that I did with some girlfriends in Orange, which is another wine region in Australia, if if you aren't local, that we booked the the van probably three-ish months out. But if it's a really busy weekend, I would do it further out than that because a lot of these companies maybe only have you know one or two vans, so they don't really have the ability to take a lot of different uh, a lot of different groups. But outside of that, one of the other highlights I've had actually in the Hunter Valley was doing a horseback and wine tasting tour, which is a little different, really unique. As you noted a couple of times, the scenery is amazing. The environment in the Hunter Valley is just really lovely. And seeing it on horseback while also going to different wine tastings is truly a unique experience. I did this a couple of years ago when I had first come to Australia and had a blast. It was so much fun, great time, you know, spending time with the horses and also a little bit of a challenge getting back after the last winery, the third one, especially as you usually tend to do three, is quite difficult <laughs> if you you have had a, quite a few glasses of wine, but really fun nonetheless. And you're not going a really long distance. It's kind of all within like a triangle the way it's set up, there's you know certain wineries on rows of land. And if there's two rows, the horse place is leaving from one and kind of hitting a couple others. And their winery is actually the last one. So I guess actually you're coming back after the second winery. But for someone as much of a lightweight as me, that was challenging. But we made it through and we got back safe. And they're really docile. They're a bit older and really lovely. So I would recommend that if you're looking for a fun, different experience. But also the hot air balloons are in Hunter Valley. There's a company that does them in a number of different locations in Australia. But when I was here for a friend's 30th a couple years ago, we had planned to do hot air balloon. And sadly, the hot air balloon had to be canceled because of bad weather. Like I said, it, the weather can be really bad up in, in the Hunter Valley. It actually poured the whole day. But it's on the bucket list to go back. I was trying to get us actually to go in the hunt in the hot air balloon tour for this trip, but it just didn't work out. But we'll have to go back and and hit up the hot air balloons because it looks absolutely remarkable. And I've heard really good things from people who have done it. So a couple of things to do outside of just wineries, but Hunter Valley is also a couple hours outside of Newcastle. So you could easily spend some time at the beaches in Newcastle and then come in for, you know, a day at the wineries or whatnot as well. To wrap this up, Hugh, curious to hear from you. Who do you think the Hunter Valley is is best suited for? Well, I think definitely the best part about it, and I know I mentioned this before, is it can be for anyone, whether you be a family, whether you be a couple, the kind of trip you're planning either as a group or, you know, 
small scale, large scale, whatever it is, Hunter Valley will cater for you. And it's also got the infrastructure for it because it is a pretty busy tourist area. I think you forgot to mention as well, there's some truly amazing golf courses up there too. And as a golfer myself, I definitely would recommend, you know, heading up there if you are keen to try a few new places, but also whether you be on a boy's trip, a girl's trip, a couple's trip, a family trip, it, you will find something that everyone leaves super happy about. And I think that would probably be the best way to summarize it from my perspective of it's a really must-see location if you have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, you're right. I, I completely missed the golf locations and the golf courses. Man, I can't believe I left those out of my notes. <laughs> but yeah, I think I don't know if I would recommend it for families. I think that's probably maybe one point where we disagree. I don't think that it would be great for families. I don't know that I saw anything to do for kids. It's not that we didn't see kids. We did see kids, especially at the brew house. But I don't think it would be great for them. I'm not really quite sure that there's much for them to do. But I also think that the Hunter Valley is a great place to see if you're visiting Sydney from abroad. I think when I think about my parents coming to visit, I really want to take them to the Hunter Valley or one of the other wine regions. Is It's so cool to have all these amazing wine regions right outside of Sydney. Just a really quick drive, changing the scenery and getting to enjoy and experience some great wines and whatnot. But with that, I think that is really it for our episode today. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Hugh, for coming on and joining us today. Well, you know, hopefully I've done a good enough job that I might be invited back to speak about another one of our locations. But no, thank you for having me. It's a really cool place to be talking about and definitely one of the many that are central to tourism in New South Wales, but also central to our stories of when we're traveling around together, finding all sorts of new experiences to have. So it was a fantastic birthday celebration and I am happy to be able to talk about it with you on this. Yeah, fingers crossed that the reviews come in high enough to to get you back. We'll have to see what the listeners say. But yeah, no, thank you so much. It's been really great chatting with you about this. Really fun having you on and great dynamic having somebody else on the podcast. So thank you for being our first guest, very special first guest. And thank you everyone so much for listening. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast next week and tune in for our first ever wildcard episode. It's going to be another really exciting one. Can't wait. Stay tuned. Thanks so much. And if you enjoyed the podcast today, please consider leaving us a review or following us or sharing with someone that you think that you might enjoy our podcast. That is it for today. Thanks so much. Bye.